Welcome to PopX Cast, where science fiction meets pop culture. We're the podcast that covers everything pop culture and beyond the multiverse. Are you ready to get your geek on? Crank up the DeLorean, warm up the proton packs, toss a coin to your Witcher, and deep dive into your favorite plate of chimichangas. This is PopX Cast. Listening to Pop X Cast, where science fiction meets pop culture. Here we go! Pop X Cast. I was born in it, molded by it. Pop X Cast. Excelsior, this is episode 127 for July 25th, 2021. What is up, Team Popex? Oh my gosh, it, do I see a fourth window here? Stop. I, see, I see a fourth window right there. We are there. complete. Right there. Could this mean the return of Mike on this week's episode? I believe it does. I believe it's a good oh thing. Gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> What's up, Team Pop X? How are you doing? Hey. What is what's new in your all's world? What's going on? Oh. I'm sleepy. <laughs> it's I'm, been a long weekend. I'm I'm tired. I'm just really tired. <laughs> Very tired. Oh. I was telling everybody before the show I've been ignoring my wife this weekend because oh. of the many Don't videos. Do that. I'm going to have to give her a day this week. Aww. Maybe take some time off, you know? You need to take some. You've been working so hard, buddy. Give her some extra smooches. Well, Aww. you know, before I forget, it was somebody's <laughs> birthday this week. Uh, I want to say happy birthday, Mr. Austin Burke. Austin Happy, happy birthday, Guys, man. Thank yeah, you. What are you? You're 16, right? I'm 17. Thank oh, you very okay. much. Okay. I am 17 going on 18. Uh, no, I, I couldn't remember. Somebody asked me, they're like, how old are you? I was like, does this mean I'm getting old? I'm 26. It took me a bit to think about it. But no, I had a great birthday. You know why? Because my beautiful wife, even oh. though I've ignored her, she took me to get some pop figures. And let me tell you, oh, she said, oh Austin, my. you can get six. And guess how many I got? How many did you eight, get? Seven. You got, wait, you got eight, 18 pop figures? I'm a psycho. <laughs> it's a little, little overboard much there, bub. <laughs> I have a problem. Just a smidge. 
just a wee bit. I, I said, you know, I, I'm going to reveal them a little bit later. I got some good ones. I got some Dune pop figures. I feel like the pop figures oh. are kind of like modern day Beanie Babies. They are. Yes. Yeah, yes. they are. It's the like modern I buy them. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what to do with them other than look at them. Right. But I love looking at them. Now, like no? This is the coolest pop time. figure that I've ever. <laughs> this is a pop figure. Oh, that's yeah. a pop figure. That's it's cool. the TARDIS. Yeah, because the TARDIS is kind of its own thing. But I saw this in South Carolina and I was like, you know what? I don't have a TARDIS in my collection. I need a TARDIS in my collection because I like Doctor Who. And so there we go. They've got some great stuff. I love it, man. That is awesome. Well, happy birthday, Bubby. Happy birthday. And you know what? You're on your way up to 100,000. I've been watching your account, man. I'm so freaking proud of you. This new studio is so lit. Your new home theater is going to be off the chain. And And my new... Semi-new that I've not introduced on YouTube yet, but if you see me on Instagram and Twitter, my new logo that Mr. Joseph Burke designed. Yeah. If you all go look at my profile picture, (laughs) you will see just the glory. And I was so surprised. What a birthday gift, man. I I loved it. Austin, we watched that come to life. It's on live stream on Haps, dude. Really? I didn't know. The whole thing is on Haps. Oh, I need to watch that. Yeah. Okay. I'll send you a link later. Yes. But um, it was really cool because I was thinking in the back of my head, I, I, I don't, I'm not old fashioned. I don't do Hallmark cards. I mean, come on. It's, that's so like, you know, like if you're in your 60s, maybe you want a Hallmark <laughs> card because if you care to send the very best. But I'm like, you know what? I want to do something that's got a little artistic flair mm-hmm. to it. Something he might be able to use, but something he might, you know, would want to have. Yeah. And so there you go, man. Appreciate it. Glad yes. you like the uh, vector, vector portrait. Oh. But um, with all of that said, Mr. Burke, kick us off on this episode 127. Yes, welcome to Pop X, where science fiction meets pop culture. I'm Austin Burke, the Appalachian geek at heart. We'd like to welcome everyone joining us live in the PopX.live chat room. You guys can come hang out with us and join the conversation at PopXCast.com. If this is your first time tuning in, first 10 to 15 minutes, we run down the headlines since our last show, and we deep dive into all things nostalgic on the retro rewind and then at the halfway point we hit the show's topic today we have two topics to talk about and let me tell you it's going to be some very uh, interesting discussions as well as hitting on one of marvels and they just came out with this news i don't know if it's actually in the notes uh but the biggest view the most viewed finale in marvel history loki's finale amazing just an amazing yeah. number for that and show we've not had a chance to to hit on it so we're going to hit on it tonight we're yes. going to spend a yes. couple minutes and talk about it but I am Joseph Burke, Central Florida's seasoned comic book nerd and retro enthusiast. Now, I want to say a huge hats off to all the amazing people from the Creative Multiverse who is tuning in right now live on this very stream. I want to say hello to Michelle Alexander. We got Jeremy Stoltz hanging out with us and all the amazing crew. We got Michael Murray. Can't forget him. Uh, but I just want to say a huge thank you guys for supporting what we do. OP, too. I can't forget OP over in the chat room. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pop X Cast. John Paul from Barger. What's up, my man? We got the regular OGs out tonight, and I am loving it. You guys are so awesome for supporting Pop X. And we are part of the Creative Multiverse. Creative Multiverse basically is an expanse of creative collectives. And all of us vary from different artistic traits and creative abilities. We all come together, whether we're a photographer or a poet or a songwriter or a musician or a composer or a painter or a sketcher. We all come together. And we've formed the creative collective known as 
the Created Multiverse. You can watch me and Lindsay, Jeremy and Michelle, all of us get our geek on. This Thursday night, we'll be on the sketch party with Michelle Alexander, where we'll be drawing the eagle. All of us will be drawing the eagle in our own amazing interpretive style. So join us. I believe it kicks off about nine o'clock. It's going to be good. It's going to be I'm kind lit. Of excited about I'm that. kind of excited too. What's up, Michelle? It's going to be great. Native graffiti in the house, y'all. Native graffiti. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, if you missed last episode, episode number 126, we broke down and put it all back together. We talked about Black Widow's film and all of our thoughts on it. And we also did a little retro rewind of the Ghostbusters, which is a childhood favorite of mine. So make sure you go over to our official website at popxcast.com to watch that replay, all of the other replays of all of our great past shows from the Collective PopX archive. And if you like what you're seeing here tonight, we're live tonight, but you can also click that button to subscribe to our channel here on YouTube and you'll get to know when we go live next. If you click the notification bell, it'll tell you. Right there. It will. See that right and there. you can go back and watch all of our old shows on our channel too. Okay. It's a lot of fun. Um, make sure if you're doing the podcast version of this show, which is awesome. Thank you for listening. Um, to go over to your favorite streaming service of podcast and make sure you rate us preferably five stars and maybe say some kind words while you're at it because it's super duper helpless and we feel the love it, 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 i'm answering a question right now as you're wrapping up because oh, the it. view with drew is asking me who would win in a fight between indiana jones or jason Bourne. i said Ooh. if it's i said if it's a young indiana jones yes indiana. if it's an old indiana jones if we're talking the indiana jones from temple of doom yes we're talking Indiana Jones from Crystal Skull, maybe not so much. He might break it up. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, guys. Are you no. are you ready for some news this week? Let's roll into it. Let's do it. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Extra, extra. Read all about it. This is Pop X News. Coming to you live right here on popxcast.com. It's true. It's the news for hard of hearing, and I am leading off this week's news segment. Following a recent announcement of DC's new Injustice movie, I don't know if you guys heard that, but Injustice is coming on the animated screen, uh, the cast of the film has been revealed. Now, we now know who will be playing the movie's roster of superheroes, including Superman, Batman, Cyborg, and villains such as Joker and Raja Ghouls. Uh, may, uh, well, he's just a crazy villain, right? We love Raja Ghoul. Uh, the movie still does not have a release date, but it is expected to be launched on the home entertainment by DC at some point during fall 2021. Now, Rick Morales, a producer on Mortal Kombat Legends, this is the Scorpion's Revenge, you may recall that animated flick. I think Austin did a, did a review on that one. Yes, very good. Uh, will similarly produce the Injustice movie that will be directed by Matt Peters of the Justice League Dark fame. You remember Justice League Dark when that came yes. out? Swamp Thing and Constantine, amazing film. Um, and so we got also Batman Hush screenwriter Ernie Altbacker on. This is going to be a great script. I'm really excited. One thing I love that I think Warner Brothers does right, and then, you know, Marvel took a little time catching up on the animated side of things, but Warner Brothers releases about two movies a year on the animated side that tells these branch reality multiverse type stories where you've got, you know, Batman, um, what is it, uh, where he's like in a, uh, 
shoot, it's like by oil lamp or something like that, by dark. Yeah, or, uh, gaslight, uh, Batman by... Batman, yeah. Something like Dude, that. Dude, it's yeah. so good. Really and good? Yeah, it, it, I just love those movies. And then Justice League Dark, which I truly enjoyed. You're following yeah. uh, Constantine, Matt Ryan, re reprising his role from, from the DC Universe. Yeah. Really awesome, but uh, I'm excited for this. I've always been excited when when Warner Brothers uh, releases these movies. So um, yeah, I thought I thought Injustice was the original cut of the Justice League. Injustice was the what? The, what? The, 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 Aha! I see uh, what, what? I'm running so many screens here right now to get Sorry, this. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like. Wait, what did you say? No, Lindsay, Justice? that's what we like to call the Justice League. That the, was oh, the, that's the Joss what it was. Whedon. That's what it was. Yeah, League. yeah, that's the <laughs> Justice League. Right. It was a disaster. I'll be here it all night, everyone. It was a disaster. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Austin, you... Like that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Austin, you got the next one, man. All right, John Wesley Ship is no stranger to the CW uh, DC television shows. Since the debut of The Flash, Ship has played not only in Ray Allen, various wow. incarnations of speedsters, as well as having played Barry Allen, The Flash of Earth-90, as well as Jay Garrick. Oh, my goodness. I'm very behind on this show. Earth-3's Flash, who, has, who was brought onto Earth Prime in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Wow. But while Ship reprised his role as Jay for the two-part season seven finale of The Flash, he'll also be bringing the legendary Justice Society of America oh. member the second season of DC Stargirl. Okay. Wow. Uh, he says, amazing, amazing. I've got to tell you, I had the best time in Atlanta shooting with that cast. This show has so much energy and depth and heat and excitement around it at the moment. Jeff Johns is on set the entire time I was there. The ability to work with Luke Wilson, whom I love, mm -hmm. uh, to work with Lou Ferrigno Jr. to create the JSA. I found myself in my own history the second season of Stargirl premieres August 10th. Wow. Has anyone seen Stargirl? I, I haven't, have but I've heard good things about Man, it. Man, I'll tell you, I, it, CW really saturated the market for me when it comes to superhero comics. Now, for me, being an enthusiast of Marvel you would, and DC, you would think I would be like, you know, I'm all caught up on every show and I know exactly what's happening on Black Lightning and DC's Legend. I don't know, man. It's going to be so hard for me now. I mean, I did watch the finale of Arrow. Really enjoyed that with Stephen mm -hmm. Mel. But I in terms of Flash, I didn't really pick up on, like, I think it's season five. I think I've said that previously in other shows. Like, season five, The Thinker, like, halfway through that season, oh, I just kind of, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I got, like, overwhelmed because I think that's around the time that the Avengers in-game Infinity War was coming out. That time. When yeah. The Thinker was yeah. in. I'm like, okay, are we going to stick with CW or we're going to go and just go all out for Marvel? And I was just like, yeah, Marvel. And so, <laughs> Star much. Very good first season. I did watch it. What was it? Okay. First season of Stargirl. I enjoyed Wait, he it. He speaks I out of nowhere. Yes. There's the a voice. voice God. But I enjoyed the first season. It was very good. It's, I like I like the Justice Society. So I was looking forward to it. And they did a good job of it. Did they? Interesting. Good I need job. to check this out, dude. And that's on Stargirl, right? Yes, uh, okay. HBO Max has it right now, I believe. The full first season. Okay. Cool. Let's well, go. I may have. I'm watching Ted Lasso at the moment. So, once soon as I finish that up, I may. Dude, I'm loving Ted Lasso right now. It's all good. All right. Put it on so, the list. But uh, I'm excited. You're excited. Everybody else is excited. Let's be excited. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to shut I'm up. I'm all now. excited. I love Pat. I'm just going to shut up now. Very Pat. Okay. Lindsay Badger, you got, the, you got the next one. All right, guys. 
We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, which is one of my favorite franchises. Good chunk. Okay, so the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies have certainly left an emotional impact on fans, did they not? (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, so with their humor making way for a few scenes that brings tears to the eyes, even after multiple rewatches, writer and director James Gunn has become known for balancing his sense of humor with deeply emotional stories, so it should come to no surprise that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will have its heartbreaking Mm -hmm. moments. I'm expecting it. Mm. Um, Gunn explained that his Guardians 3 script has remained the same over the last few years and that it will bring more emotion, more of an emotional punch than maybe some fans are expecting. Oh, Lord, you do anything oh, group, I swear, God. Gunn. Okay, so I'm still shooting the, uh, Peacemaker, but I'm starting to work on Guardians 3. For Guardians 3, the script has basically been written for a long time. I've been playing with it a little in little ways over the years, but it basically has stayed the same since three wow. years ago. It's pretty heavy, actually. Mm. It's a heavier story, so it's emo- emotional. Proce- there's an emotional process to go through. It makes sense that Guardians 3 will be more emotional given that it is going to be the end of the story of this team of characters. Oh, man. There are probably going to be some tough goodbyes oh. in the third installment. You are stabbing me I in the heart feeling a with the dagger and twisting it. I think, I'm so sad to hear that. I think we're going to see the demise so of Rocket. I think Rocket is going to go bye-bye. I think Drax may go bye-bye. I think Drax is going to go bye, especially with Dave Batista's relationship after he got angry when they fired James Gunn. And he's, I think I, I, I see yeah. that. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Why it, Gamora? Why? <laughs> what is Gamora? <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> we could keep that going on all night. Anyway, uh, sorry. So, I just unrailed all of it. Our guy in the fourth window, the, the fourth man here has some pretty cool stuff. Oh, man. my gosh. There's been so many people Hi, in Haps Mike. wanting to see you, Mike. good to have you back. I'm glad to Hi, be back. Hi, pumpkin. <laughs> Hi, buddy. Okay, so... <laughs> what do you uh, what do you got for us tonight in terms well, of I just want to take a quick moment and for those that are physical media collectors and, like show and uh, tale. you know love to collect great Let's movies uh, I picked up this 50th anniversary of Willy Wonka on 4K Wow okay and that's just the outer sleeve and it comes in a nice Wonka bar inner sleeve <laughs> Wow that's awesome and that is so good a 4K uh transfer and it's they've done an amazing job with this really this like a 10 out of 10 transfer it's been a long time since i've seen a really good transfer like this and a movie from 1971 you know it's just it's just uh, amazing and it also comes with uh, a bunch of promo cards of all, the all the kids oh the chocolate tube kid oh, yeah. i can't wow. remember his name at the moment Ah, Baruka salt. Uh, and it also comes with a Wonka golden ticket. Oh, you've got the golden uh, ticket. I've got the golden ticket. And it comes with an interesting ticket. insert book that gives you the details oh. on all the actors and oh, their That's cool. Gene and Wilder, man. This is why I book. love physical media because it yeah. comes with all the good stuff. It's scrumptiously Yes. Oh, dude. How much is that? The chat is asking. 
This is, uh, I paid almost 60 bucks for it. I got it. It's a Zavi exclusive. If you Zavi. go to Zavi US, they have it on there. Uh, you can't get this on Amazon or uh, Best Buy. I know Best Buy is notorious for the steel books. This right. is a, a Zavi exclusive. It, it, it imports from the UK. Wow. Oh, um, nice. 4K, I noticed the logo green, on there. It's got the UK yeah. transfer logo on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, green they've one. done an amazing job with it. Um, you know, 4K is region free and it comes with a Blu-ray, which is also uh, region free, which contains, um, you know, Blu-ray version of the movie. Right. Uh, plus a document, uh, doc, a documentary shows you behind the scenes. Of, so uh, good, man. A lot of it when they were filming inside the factory uh, with the uh, Chocolate River and, and wow you know, how they did the, to some of the effects. And it's really good for anybody that collects movies. This is definitely, a, you know, definitely pick this up. It's worth the 60 bucks just for what you get. And, you know, 50 years of this movie, you know, they did a good job with the 40th, but this was a, uh, you know, a great transfer. I, I can't speak highly enough about it. Quick question. Um, yes. Does that package come with a digital coupon for a 4K transfer as well? No, this does not come with no the. This is a hardcore media. Yeah. Okay. This only comes with just a 4K disc mm. and the Blu-ray. There's oh, no man. digital on this. Well, I have got to watch it because I Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is seriously one of my favorite all-time movies. When I was a kid growing up, my mom and dad bought me the VHS tape. Dude, I wore oh. that thing out to where the same. beginning was just They're like same. it was so staticky and fuzzy on the first ten minutes because I wore the freaking thing out. <laughs> Um, but it, it, to kids today don't even understand, you know, the, the, the joys of popping in a video VHS cassette into a VCR. That sound, that oh. hollow plastic oh. sound of the yeah. cartridge going. Yeah. So good, dude. It's, so you can't good. replace that. That is nostalgia right there. Well, Mike, thanks for sharing that, dude. I, you yeah. always have the coolest stuff ever, man. That's so neat. Next time you're in, you got to let me borrow that so I can see it in yes. 4K. I got to, I got to mm -hmm. check that out. It's a, it's a I love I love Mikey's show and tell. Time. Yeah, I do too. It's show and tell time. It's, cool it's great. Show and tell. Okay, are we ready for some retro rewind labyrinth, guys? Yeah. Are we ready? I believe ready. we're ready. Hold on a sec. Okay. So? I believe so. Yeah. Retro rewind. Retro rewind. Retro rewind. Retro rewind. And by popular demand, I believe this one is coming from our very own co-host, Miss Lindsay Badger, this week. Yes. She wanted to do the labyrinth, and I could not agree more because anytime you anytime you combine Jim Henson Company and David Bowie. I'm all in thing. pretty much because I love David Bowie. He's a freaking genius when it came to rock and roll. Yes. Uh, but uh, I think him and Freddie Mercury are my, two of my favorite rockers of all time, to be honest with you. But uh, yes, we are talking all things Labyrinth. And let me tell you, I want to start out by leading a little bit of the conversation. And we're just going to go clockwise, Austin, Lindsay, and then Mike, if that's cool. Uh, Labyrinth for me brings back a flood. And I'm talking a flood of childhood memories. Some good, some bad, because I was freaked out by Hogel at, at the beginning. Like, who is this little guy running around following this girl? Is 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 weird, you know? Yeah, it's not creepy at all. It's not creepy at all, you know. And, and no. there's all these hands coming down and in the wells as she's falling, and that's like, okay, that's nightmarish. That's different. But there's a lot of things in this movie that, for me, is 
I think Jim Henson Company was on the cusp of practical effects, and they use things in so many ways that there, there's so many tricks in there that you don't even see that they used, especially at the end when they're doing the um, the infinity steps. Remember when on, on the oh, stairs yeah. and he's sliding up on the ledges? Oh. That was just, I mean, that's an actual the, effect. The, the, he brought the Escher painting to life so completely. Good, so cool. Right? Um, so cool. You know, and it's one of those movies, too, that I forgot. It's been so long since I've seen Labyrinth. I haven't seen Labyrinth maybe in 10 years. Part of me in the back of my brain forgot that this is kind of a musical as well, featuring the vocal talents of David Bowie. So that yeah. was cool in and of itself. We got a rock star who is essentially Ziggy Stardust being... Jareth in this in this role as the Goblin King, if you will, um, man, it's just, it's just one of those movies that is just literally '80s timeless fantasy classic, and it's it's I don't think there's any other company in the world that would have done a justice to it other than the Jim Henson Company, but for me, it's just a wealth of nostalgia. It brings back a lot of good memories. Again, another movie that I did own on VHS, and I wore the crap out of it. If there was a number three, it would be the Little Monsters with with Howie Mandel. Anybody remember oh, that? Yes. Yeah. Oh. oh, isn't that good? I love that yeah. movie. But it kind of reminds me of that a little bit of, of Labyrinth. But you know, you got that subterranean world, and you got the goblins running around, the people that are half dead, and all the craziness that's going on in between. But I want to hear from the critic. I want to go over to the guy to my right, Mr. Austin Burke. What do you have to think about the Labyrinth? You know, this is maybe the first one that I, I just couldn't really remember anything from other than David Bowie's in the movie and you have Jim Henson's company and all of the magic that they create. But I, I couldn't remember how incredibly impressive it was visually. I mean, this is a visual triumph almost for the time. 1986, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like you are going to get something that is so magical from a visual standpoint when the movie starts out. And then you enter this world. And Joe, you talked about the scene where David Bowie's coming up the steps and when mm -hmm. he flips over yeah. it and, and all of those practical effects. And I'm sitting back, I'm, I'm mind blown because it yeah. looks better than a lot of, <laughs> seriously, it looks better than a lot of CGI filled movies I'm watching right you now. Can't, you can't deny a practical effect, bro. If it's you done can't. well. yeah, And you mm -hmm. can't replicate something as interesting as this story and i know we've done the movies before with with the you know the the puppets and and you know the dark crystal practical almost on every level yeah. right but now you're integrating not only humans but this one character this fascinating character that david bowie plays um and he is so eccentric and weird but at the same time you like you said he's using his voice throughout the film so you're, you're getting that musical element and he's taking you on this journey i forgot jennifer Connolly um was sarah in this film i believe oh, yeah. it was her first role she's great in the role and the more i you know learned about what this movie inevitably was and the more i got on board with a lot i mean the voice talent as well you can't deny how good the voice work is in this movie it's really really good i was kind of it's kind of swept away in this journey. And I didn't expect to be because again, really? I think I've seen it one time um, and just a very faint memory of it. But man, I mean, you get those big, crazy blockbuster -y moments and whether it be the big faces or the big creatures and I'm sitting back going, I'm on board. This movie's really taking me by surprise. So Joe, <laughs> I have to tell you, and, and Lindsay, good call here. I'll tell you, I, I, 
I think I'm a fan of this movie now. I'm, I'm a yes! big Yes. That's Robert awesome. Works. You know, it, it, there's so many elements, and then we're going, I'm going to go to Lindsay too, but there's so many elements of this movie that reminds me a little bit of Never Ending Story. With yes. John, like just the fantastical, like, you yes. know, when she's going down the corridor and the, the, the head blocks are talking to her. It's like, oh, don't go that way. Oh, go that way. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's yep. so funny. And, and But yeah. he's combining little elements of comedy for the kids, but there's enough yes. there for an adult to look mm-hmm. through it and mm-hmm. see another version of that story. This is the beauty of, of filmmaking that Jim Henson Company is so freaking good at. Yes. And uh, so, Lindsay, I know this is yes. your favorite. It, Let's it, hear it's from definitely you. Definitely one of my my uh, childhood. Sorry, the bedtime alarm is going off. Forgive me, but um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> usually I mute it so you guys don't have to hear it. Uh, the The movie overall is just fantastical. Okay, it's it has so many elements and working parts and little bits in it that I actually forgot about some of them mm. because there's. I mean, Think about how many different puppets were made for this one movie. Yeah. There's so many different ones and they each are so incredibly unique. There's like the the wise man that has like the bird head and then there's like trash yeah. and stuff hanging off of him that's kind of creepy. The junk lady scared the heck out of me. The one that they take her into her own bedroom and she's yeah. like, I'll take the kid and you can have that lady that, that literally was, gave strange. me nightmares as yeah. a child. Yeah. Um, that in the fiery creatures fire. that mm-hmm. had the heads moving and all that. Those are the things of children's nightmares that Jim Henson brought to life. Um, so that's not all like bubbly and sweet and cutesy. There are some terrifying elements in this first for younger children to be able to watch, but it's not to the level of gory and, and gross. Um, there's, I loved the tunnel with the hands and how they're like, do you want to go up or down? And the faces are all hands talking. Yes. There's actually a really cool bit in the documentary that's after the show on um, HBO that shows how they make that tunnel and how the people did the things. Anyways, yeah. I loved watching Jim Henson's documentaries and how they make all the movies put together. Anyway, sidetracking. Um, I love the music. I love the style of the, not only the the dresses in the ball scene, but the, the just the everyday daily wear and the hairstyles. It's so screams 80s. It no, is it very much era centric in, in the stylings of everything. And it's so exciting the the fantasy world just sucks you in and it it, even though you kind of at the beginning are kind of cringy against sarah and and her behavior towards her thoughts of her brother and 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 the parents and all the things you kind of grow to love her and understand her position but she's also growing and changing through the journey too and so we end on a a nice note where she learns to appreciate what she has appreciate her brother and kind of let go of some of those childhood attachments that she had, but still appreciate them, which I think is a fantastic message for children mm-hmm. and adults too. Cause I mean, we hold on to stuff. We hold on to grudges. We need to learn to let go. So I think that that was a, a really cool thing. Some of my favorite characters, the door knockers, <laughs> the door knockers. were my yeah. absolute favorite. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the double headed headed guards, that yep. looked like they yep. had two. Those two were my favorite too. Are you taking I, the left I path really, or the right path? I don't know. Which course, one are you going to take? <laughs> of course, Hoggle and his Hoggle. his internal uh, 
trying to do what's right versus what he's supposed to be doing battle and in internally is is always a good thing to see a character struggle with that doing mm -hmm. you know and uh, deciding to do take the right choice um the did he miss the little dog that was on the dog yes <laughs> the dog on dog action yes. He's a little over the top for me, but he's just funny. Yeah. He's fun. And yeah. I, I think they put just enough of him in the movie to where he's not annoying. So, yeah, overall, it's just a fun time. It's very rewatchable. It's very memorable. I think there's some characters that are forgettable, but when you go back and rewatch it, you're like, oh, yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. That's so cool. So. Well, thanks for sharing. I mean, it, you know, and I think a message here to all young girls out there that are in their teens: don't go off chasing for thousand-year-old goblin kings. I don't think <laughs> goblin. You know, I don't think thousand-year-old goblin kings and and marrying Wait, was a that young, the message? Uh, somewhere in there, I think is a, <laughs> a message. Uh, he was trying to marry her because he wanted yeah. her, he wanted her to be a part of his castle yes. and kingdom. And um, there, there's a there's a whole <laughs> spiel about that on the internet. We're not going to go down that road tonight because we're we're, we're <laughs> shedding the love and light. But I want to go to Mike Ippolito. Uh, Mike, did you get a chance to watch the Labyrinth uh, over the weekend? I did. I've seen it years ago, not too long after it came out. Yeah. And I've seen it again. And unfortunately, it still doesn't fly with me like it did years ago. I just, you know, of course, you can't take, take anything away from, you know, Henson's puppetry and the practical effects. It's amazing. But I just, the overall story, I just felt was very dry and just long i don't know i it just was a little long yeah it was just just for what she was doing it felt like it just kept going and going and going it was just okay get through the maze find the kid that's the end you know that's kind of <laughs> you know that's my version of it i mean you can't go wrong with david but there are a lot of good things you know about you know these the actors i mean jennifer connelly's her first role i mean it's yeah. you know there's some great stuff but i just Overall, I just, I didn't care much for it when I first seen it and to go back again and look at him going, hey, it still hasn't changed for me. I'd rather see, you know, uh, Never Ending Story again or even Dark Crystal, you know, and I don't know if it has something to do with ripping the head off of the puppets and throwing them, Those, you know, that just kind of got a bit much and I'm going, okay, that's It got a little crazy. excessive. I could do without the fire. Yeah, so yeah. that's, you know, I'm right going to be quick. So there's, you know, not much more. No, no, I get it. <laughs> that's that's kind of where I just, no, it, it just didn't resonate for me the first time or the second time. So no, it's uh it's quite all right. And, and thank you for putting in the homework though and, and watching yeah. it and being, and being honest, you know, there I will have to admit with you too, Mike. There are there are a couple scenes in the film that are just kind of like, um, you know, the one scene where she is. Um, what are the dancing things that are going around halfway through the film? Oh yeah, and that that got a little monotonous for me. I just really could have done without that whole scene. They're like bright pink, and they're they're yeah. dancing around and they're doing their loops and then I, I can't remember the name of the little monster critters, but that was a little bit like for me. I could have done without that. I wish we would just got like a David Bowie solo or something right there. Even the worried. one scene where she was, I, I can't remember that the big gigantic puppet, the big with the horns. Yes. He disappeared. Oh, Ludo. Yeah. And she's calling his name like 800 times. And if he didn't answer by the first two, he ain't around. Yeah. That was like going for 10 minutes and going, okay, I'm going to fast forward this. She calls him again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. That's so awesome. Well, listen, that you know, you can't deny 
there's a lot of people that love and embrace the labyrinth and there's there's a lot of people that have a little little bit of discrepancy with it and that's okay i think for me one of the saving graces of this film actually two is jim henson company and david bowie i think those two are a marriage made in heaven i think it's great to see these two working together to produce this kind of film and david bowie essentially writing the score for it uh, was was just amazing uh for me labyrinth is definitely up there in terms of this the fantastical science fictions of the 80s i think it's right up there with um you know the never-ending story maybe even legend which we'll be doing uh, in two weeks by the way spoiler alert but uh it's gonna be really great let's give our official score and let's move on to loki i'm gonna give i'm gonna give uh, labyrinth a 7.8 i believe that's a fair one it's not on i would say it's not in the like top five or top 10 of my 80s films of all time but it's definitely in the top 20 uh, because of just its its production value in nature. So I'm going to go with the 7.8. Uh, I'm a 7.6. I'm not far behind you, Joe. I, I was just very impressed with uh, everything that they were able to do with this film. And, and Bowie, just, it's, it's unbelievable how much he brought to that role. So 7.6 for me. Nice. Lindsay? 8.2. 8.2. Okay, yeah. we're still worth nice. All right, we're still within point two. Not far off of you guys. Not I'm far impressed. off. Okay, Mike? Um, I'm going to go with a five, just kind of right down the middle because okay. you can't take nothing away from Henson. Because, I mean, it just, you, the, the Henson puppetry will stand the end of time. Yeah. The end of time. Yes, and will. you don't want to take nothing. And having David Bowie in there was amazing, but I just, uh, I didn't feel the story. So I kind of. It's all down. good. So we got a 7.8, 7.6, we got an 8.2, and a 5. That is Team Pop X's official score of Labyrinth. Uh, currently streaming right now. If you have uh, HBO Max, you can watch it right now, uh, right there. All right, so we're going to switch on over now and talk about Loki very briefly before we get into this week's show topic of Masters of the Universe Revelation. Before we do that, we're going to go ahead and roll that spoiler alert warning. If you've not seen either the finale of Loki or Loki, or you have not seen all five episodes of Part 1 of Masters of the Universe Revelation, please do hit that pause button. Go enjoy the show and the movie, and then come back, and uh, let's let's talk about it, all right? So we'll be right back. Spoiler alert warning right now. Danger, You are about to enter a pop-up spoiler alert. Beyond this point, there is no return. You have been warned. All right, you have been warned, and we are going to talk very briefly, specifically the final episode, episode six of Loki. I know this is probably a couple weeks post the date, but I wanted to make sure that we as Popix cast at least address it and acknowledge it because this one particular episode is setting up everything in the future of Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it particularly for Phase 4. And so the reason I wanted to talk about this was one of the main things that happened, the antagonist of this, was this Immortus character who we think is Immortus. I think it's Immortus or a version of Kang, but we did get Kang in the finale of Loki. Now, what does this mean for the future of Marvel? If you you listen closely to what Kang was saying, or Immortus a version of Kang, whatever. They're all in the same... Anyway, long story short on that one. But he's basically saying, you kill me, there's many more variations of me that you're going to have to deal with, and some are even more sinister. And this is setting up directly tied in for Kang the Conqueror 
It's been alluded to all season. We've been seeing scat statues in the background, setting it up. And I don't know if you guys saw this meme out on the internet today, but somebody flipped the TVA literally horizontally spells Val. Mm. Did you guys notice that? So Val not, is the recruiter. She's the recruiter uh, that is being, we saw in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and at the end of Black Widow as well. But long story short, Loki is setting up something when they cross the threshold of time and they killed Immortus. Uh, well, actually, the female Loki uh, did. She killed uh, Immortus. Basically, that was the culmination. He was the main guy, the glue that held the consistency of the current space-time continuum of the Marvel Universe. This being held everything together. Without him there, we started to see the branch realities. And in that, I saw Andrew Garfield jump out on the screen. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it was awesome. But uh, it was it is literally setting up... I could, Kevin Feige is such a freaking genius. Because this one episode is setting up all the parallels of all the different other versions of Marvel that we've ever seen cinematically before. And mm -hmm. introducing other new groups, including the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, the New Mutants. All of that is coming. I'm pretty excited about that. And we're going to see the culmination of all this. Austin Burke, I want to get your thoughts on the final episode. I mean, how does this, how is this setting things up for you? And are you, what are you excited most about in the future of MCU? Uh, oh wow i mean <laughs> has there ever been a movie other than the team up avengers films that has been hyped to the level of dr strange and the multiverse of madness because oh not God. only is scarlet witch so the entirety of wandavision built up to that uh the actual plot of multiverse of madness was set up in loki and it was also i don't know yeah. if it's been confirmed but now it's rumored that loki's going to be in there as well so literally everything is leading to that film and now we know uh what the problem is so how is he going to fix it and who is he going to encounter while he is mm. surfing his way through the multiverse and i think that's brilliant and one thing i love about this is it sets up so many possibilities i mean we could see a a different version of kang pop up and maybe not every marvel movie but Numerous Marvel movies. I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, they could have a version. A different movie yes. could have another version. And then at the end of the day, I believe we're going to see yet another huge Avengers film where it's all of our new heroes teaming up to go against either multiple Kangs or one big old Kang, and he has recruited himself an army. But I think we're going to go up against multiple Kangs, and you're going to see Jonathan Majors, who's playing this character, Gosh. maybe have the most diverse role in Marvel history. He's going to be able to do so much, so many different things, and it was all beautifully set up by this episode. And it we was. watched WandaVision, and we said, I mean, it's, it's Mephisto. And we never got it. And it was upsetting. <laughs> Even though I really enjoyed that show, I was yeah. a little bit disappointed with the finale. We were right with Loki. I mean, everyone was like, it's got to be, it's got to be Kang. And it was Kang. Yeah. And when those Kang. doors open up, I mean, we were all kind of blown away. And yeah, it's, it's a heavy dialogue episode, but you're spelling the next 20 years, maybe, probably 10, but could be 20 of Marvel. And like you said, Joe, I saw Andrew and Toby. There they are. Just, uh, fall out of well, one of those realities. You know, I want to I, I I graduate to Lindsay here in just a second, but I want to okay. share something with you that a lot of people may have not thought about. In terms of the past 10 years, 11 years, essentially, because we have to include the year of COVID, the past 11 years of the MCU, we have built up for Thanos. Yeah. And Th Kang 
makes Thanos look so one-dimensional. Yeah. If you've ever think, if you think about it, think about this. A Kang is in multiple universes with multiple versions of himself. And Avengers spent the last 10 years trying to learn who Thanos is and about the Infinity Stones. And that only happened on one little fraction of the timeline. And the TVA, they were using the Infinity Stones as paperweights. Yeah, they were downplaying yeah. the seriousness of yeah, it's like, that whole decade. And you, you think about that in the context of what we saw. And it's just like, holy cow, King, this, this could be, this is the big bad that we're going to be having to deal with for a long time. Yeah, and I believe uh, he's going to be he's going to be a, the villain of all villains, and Thanos kind of seems pretty one dimensional when you think about it because it just yeah he was he was in Earth and he was on Titan and he was this and he was that but Thanos couldn't go into the multiverse he was only in Earth six one six so it, it you, you see what I'm saying. So yes. it makes Kang, like, if he's able to jump out of space and time, which he did in the castle, if he's able to be out on living outside of the realm of time itself and guarding time and making it his own, Thanos Boy. can't do that. Boy. Boy. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Badge, let me hear yes. what you thought about the final All right. Episode. Well, I'm going to shift the focus a little bit over to the lovely Lady Loki, Miss Sylvie. Yes. Yeah. Um, we need to break down that a little bit. Uh, her and her relationship with the Tom Hiddleston Loki, mm -hmm. we felt like it was developing into something. And then she was like, eh, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> so it was definitely like a oh, gut wrench. But you know what? It fits. Yeah. Loki has a plan that always fails. <laughs> yes. That yeah. is how he is written. True. It's he is he has his glorious purpose, but he never gets to fulfill that glorious purpose. I feel like that's how his love life would also pan out. So I'm glad in a sense that we didn't follow through with the gushy stuff and we kind of refocused Sylvie on her main mission, which was to get to the bottom of this craziness that she needed the answers to mm -hmm. and so the fact that she was the one that got to kill kang essentially sort of yeah. but really she in essence in doing that opened a massive can of worms that nobody can put back in and so i feel like that's a really bad call on her choice but it would be inevitable whether yeah. she did it or anybody else did it this is where we're going um, so I feel like her job is done now <laughs> as a character. And I feel like Loki still has some things to do. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously we've, um, shifted into a different realm of the TVA where now nobody knows who he is. That variant of Loki is a stranger in this TVA that he got transferred to. So that's a whole nother story to unpack again. Jeez. Because... <laughs> Owen Wilson, thank wow. God they didn't kill him off wow. because I was so sad whenever that originally happened. And yeah. I was so happy to see him come back into that alternate reality of the garbage land at the end of the timeline. And I, that was probably, I think I cheered from my couch that night. <laughs> um, so I'm glad that his storyline is still going to exist and continue. I don't know what role he's going to play in the future, but I'm sure it's going to be very similar. Mm -hmm. um, I... I think that there's a lot of ways this can go. I don't know Jonathan Majors' 
character's story arc very well to, we to predict, but yeah. I'm looking forward to This is why I love Marvel and how they introduce these new characters. And it's so that not only do comic book fans enjoy it, but also non-comic book fans that yeah. don't already know the lore can go along with the ride and equally they have a good time watching it. So I am on the edge of my seat. I am thrilled yeah. to see that this series, the very first series of Marvel, has been confirmed to have a season two. Yes. Mm -hmm. As well as continuing on the storyline into the cinematic versions of the theatrical production. So I'm I'm just pumped. I want to make man. sure this that we just got me hyped. I want to make sure we get a little time in for Mike as well because yes. uh, we we still do have a whole other show thing to go yes. on. Oh Lord, we still have so much to Mike, do. Sorry. What did you think about Loki? The season finale. First of all, I just want to take a quick second to make an acknowledgement of making his Marvel debut is Mr. Jordan Woods Robinson. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You didn't know that? That's Jordan. No. Oh, cool. This, if you don't know, the guy in the glasses here yes, that you see. Go Jordan. If you go back to Pop X Cast, episode one, we interviewed this actor right here who is yeah. a, who was a blue man in Orlando, an actor in The Walking Dead. And also in um, what is it? Uh, shoot, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. What? No. What? What is it? Mockingjay. Uh, yeah. Help me out. Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Yes. Hunger, Games. Yeah. Hunger Games. Yeah. He was in the Hunger Games as well. So but as I, I said, cool. To Kill a Mockingbird. I have no idea where that came from. Anywhere. Jordan Woods Robinson. That's such a great pull, Mike. That's Thank exciting. You. But uh, overall, um, I mean, I just crammed this show in the last two days. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I just fresh. didn't have the time to watch it. So wow. I just couldn't get enough of it. I thought it was it was amazing. I didn't know this kind of blew my expectations of what this was going to be. I thought it was just going to be a Loki story doing his Loki <laughs> things, you know, and we were going to move on. But this is not what I expected. And it, it just blew me away. And this was actually one of those... Uh, you know, time, time travel, you know, multiverse things that I could actually keep up with mm -hmm. without getting lost. Yeah. And I know it was very comic oriented, very, um, you know, a lot of Easter eggs in it. And, you know, I still enjoyed it, not knowing like all the stuff from the comics, the Loki stories and, and it was just a great show overall. I think the ending was great. I think my, I, I kind of was kind of go with Austin about the multiple Kangs or maybe one big one, but I think we're going to see more in the new Doctor Strange, and I think this will all come together in Quantum Mania, where we'll see mm -hmm. the quantum realm and this, you know, this multiverse. Everything those two will come together, and I think it'll be, I would say, almost Infinity War Endgame. It'll, you know, yeah, style. I think that's what they're setting wow. up. They're setting up yes. Thunderbolts. They're setting up um, all this, the the new Avengers or West Coast Avengers, if you want to call it that. I think it's going to be called the new Avengers, but they're setting so much up. And I hear that oh, the Hawkeye nice. trailers are right around the corner. Uh, mm -hmm. So I am just so stinking excited Let's for go. where the future of this is going. Um, we're not, uh, I, I, should we score season one or should we just like move on? I don't know. What do you think, guys think? I'd give it a number. All right, let's do it. Let's right. do it real fast. Real, All right, let's real do quick. it. I'm going to give Loki an 8.8 8 because it was it was freaking awesome. Uh, WandaVision, of course, I, I I gave well over a nine because that would just set the bar so high. But I think Loki uh, Loki was very dialogue heavy, 
And yes. so there was no, wasn't as much action scenes, but there was like a lot of setup in Loki. Explained a lot. Explained a lot. It set a lot of foundation, and that's why it had to be dialogue heavy. So for that, I want to give it an 8.8. Austin? I'm going a 9. This is my favorite Marvel show so nice. far. I, I just loved it. I loved it. Love it. Lindsay? I was a, a an 8.7. Nice. So 8.7. Mike? I'm going to go to 9.8. I'm with Austin. This is, yeah. is 9.8. This beats out WandaVision. Wow. I thought WandaVision was amazing. But this, I could not get enough of. And I stayed with it. You know, when the show ended, the, the, se- the episode ended, I'm going, oh, wait, it's finished already. Yeah. yeah. Was, that's how, much, how deep I was. It was so good, dude. One it more. was so stinking good. Tom Hiddleston, if he doesn't win an award or something for this, oh, oh my so gosh, good. dude. So I'm telling you, I'll be so upset. But uh, that is the official. We wanted to touch base on Loki because this particular episode, this show, particularly episode six, is setting up things that is going to be the pivotal point of the entire MCU and all things to come. So we had to cover it. With all that said, we're going to graduate now over into Masters of the Universe Revelation. And we're going to talk about this brand new animated series that dropped this Friday. So this is fresh, literally two days old. And I breezed through this. I don't know if you could tell I'm a little excited here. Um, kind of got He-Man and Skeletor kind of just like, you know, making sure that Eternia is safe. <laughs> I guess that would make me Eternia. I'm in the middle. I have no idea what that means. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on here. A desert in between. Moving on. You know, I, I, I think it's going to be. I want to I want to do ladies first on this one, and I want to make sure that we have okay. we have a little little time here to where we can unpack this. But ladies, go first because this is a barbarian style cartoon that not a lot of girls probably it watched. Is. They were they were watching the Rainbow Bride, the Care Bears, and the you know the Pound Puppies, and here's Joe watching. I love me know, some Pound Puppies. Half naked, uh, half naked He Man barbarians uh, slashing it out in a crazy world. Lindsay, it's true. What did you think about Revelation? Oh boys, uh, gird your loins. I actually took notes because I knew I was going to be crushing some right, childhood Condense your notes down tonight. for me. <laughs> I will try to get through these as quickly as possible because I know we are running out of time. All right, Masters of the Universe Part One. Keep in mind, it is only the first part. There is a second part coming out at some point. All right, so cartoon series based on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe had a lot of warm fuzzies. Uh, for kids of the 1980s era. I'm a kid of the 1980s era, but I'm a girl. I wasn't the target market for the IP, so I wasn't super interested in this one growing up, and I don't really have the nostalgic attachment that that most boys my same age would. Um, But I did do my research. I did dive deep into the Wikipedia fandom sites, and I watched the documentaries, and I even watched three hours of retro He-Man <laughs> cartoons, ladies and gentlemen, wow. to make sure I had a decent grasp on the backstory of this show. You really watched after three I hours? I watched this series, because three hours. They have it on YouTube, dude. It was an Sorry. experience. Sorry, right, I'm, I'm so playing with my play again. into the series, please <laughs> do. It's great. So diving into the series, covering, um, I loved, loved, loved the animation graphics of this show. It is beautiful. The artwork is amazing in this cartoon. It is something that you can truly admire and enjoy watching for the entire five episodes. Um, It really brought the characters to life and extreme level up from 1980s animation (laughs) for sure. Mm -hmm. 
So um, that is probably my most favorite part of the entire series. The voice acting was pretty good. Um, all the actors did a decent job. I felt a little Jokerish mm -hmm. Hamill sneaking in that kind of grinded me a little bit, but it didn't make me hate it. So I, I mean, voice actors were really well matched with in He-Man in the parts that he was in. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. So um, music, the soundtrack, the music was okay, but I, I mean, it felt kind of generic, almost like a a Marvel movie reject soundtrack. And I really kind of wanted it to feel a little bit more hearkening back to that retro style. There wasn't much synthy sounds like the original cartoons had. Yeah. So I kind of felt like that was missing some of that character and that feeling that could have probably, you know, leveled that up a little bit for me. And there's not really any like emotional investment because, you know, music really helps kind of sew that in. And I really just didn't have, I had a disconnect with that. Um, the story is really quick paced. So you get a very basic bare bones origin story where you basically just like get like names and their quick re um, relationship roles laid out, but that's really about it. So again, it's, it's not really a deep dive into those characters. The big bads that we did see were mostly expendable baddies that were kind of like fan service. Yeah. Um, Triclops honestly was the best bad guy of the entire mm. series with his little motherboard motherboard cult leader Borg armies situation. I really kind of dug that. That was kind of good. Uh, Sorceress was a predictable flip flopper from the get go. I didn't like her. She rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I was expecting Skeletor to be more funny or punny mm. because that was kind of like what he's known for. And I really missed that. And given the fact that he was killed at the beginning, kind of didn't really give him a lot of screen time to justify himself as playing that role. Um, and the only value I got from him was at the end, whenever they do that cliffhanger of him getting the power yeah. sword. So, I mean, hopefully they give him some more due justice in the second half. Right. Um, switching over to good guys, guys, I am like flying through this. I'm yes. trying to get yes. it all out. You can do this, Lindsay. I'm doing it. All right. Prince Adam slash He-Man poster child of the, the whole IP is slaughtered not once, but twice. Yeah. Once at the beginning of the freaking series after his little Sailor Moon transition thing, which was like, what the heck is this anime business? Anyways, um, and, and then once again at the end, getting stabbed in the back just for good measure. I feel like there was some hatred towards He-Man, even though he was like supposed to be like the star of this whole thing. Anyways, moving on. Uh, King Roland banishing Man of Arms really kind of ticked me off. He was just like, oh, it's all your fault. Kill the messenger sort of situation. I, I was like, man, he's like, like the best good guy character of the entire series. I really felt like there was a nice depth of character in him. And I felt like I was rooting for him more than any other character that I was watching. And then <sighs> we killed off a lot of sidekicks that were beloved. Mm -hmm. Rest in his orca. I liked him. He was fine. Roboto. And little Roboto. He was cool, too. He he had some Iron Man vibe to him. I did, yeah, did. dug him, too. But, I mean, there was a lot of killing off of characters in this series. And, actually, my children noticed this. I watched this series with my children intentionally wanting to see what their reaction and feedback was because of, you know, the innocence of a child never knowing the backstory or the the society feelings about this IP. 
I got some raw, real reactions from them. They were like, man, there's a lot of people dying in this series. I was like, yeah, there sure is. Yeah. <laughs> Keep watching, children. Anyways, okay, so we're going to break down Tila really fast. And um, I want to start with retro Tila as a comparison. She wasn't written as the greatest character in her original form voice. Uh, there was a lot of um, corporate consultants that molded her character, and you can tell. Um, we were given this girl that was supposed to have this captain of the guard, high esteemed, in charge of battle role. But in most of the episodes that I watched, I would say probably roughly 80% of the time, she was either entrapped or fainted and had to be saved by He-Man being picked up unconsciously and dragged to wherever it was that she needed to be dragged to. And I was like, that's cringy. If you're in charge of something like a general essentially or a captain of an army, you that would never really happen in real life. And so I felt like she was extremely needy and dependent most of the time. And so switching over to this modern day Tila, I wasn't in disagreement that she needed to have a few changes, some upgrades perhaps to make her more relevant to girls of the modern age. But I think that they went too far. They went to the extreme opposite. Um, they went beyond the point of a female that can hold her own in battle and turned her almost into this angsty androgynous women's empowerment statement with daddy issues who was ticked off at the world and everybody that lives in it. and all the good in the world until she, I mean everything was fine with her until that moment where she discovered that Prince Adam's little secret had been kept from her all this time and then she just like threw this little temper tantrum and stormed off and that was basically all of her backstory that was her personality shift and it was so over the top and, and I know there's all this woke you know controversy going on right now about it but I wasn't buying this character I really felt like it was, I felt like this series was an attempt to pay homage to a cartoon whose lore was created by Motel solely to sell toys to kids, but it was beloved by so many. And I know Kevin Smith was trying to fill a very tall order, but I feel like it missed its mark a little bit. The story being quick paced and not having a lot of room for development. And, and there shouldn't have been such a heavy focus on Tila. I feel, I feel like it was cringy, a little bit boring at times. And that I, I would have liked to have seen both a strong male and female role that could have possibly worked together, focusing on teamwork together. Cause you know, at the end of all those episodes, it's like the lesson we learned today, kids was, you know, which was fun, but I didn't really feel any of that. It was very like, I'm angry at everybody. And there was like this underlying tone of a feminist agenda that I didn't really feel was necessary. And I know that this is only part one of the series and that there was more of the story to be told, but I really don't feel like the remainder of the story to be told is going to turn that tide heavily enough that it's going to be a winner in my book. So I feel like yeah. if I'm going to watch season two or part two, that it'll just be okay. I, I, is that my, your final verdict there, Lindsay? We're have to move on here, girl. Sorry. That's I, a 10-minute spiel, girl. I'm sorry. I just had to let it all out, all and right. now I'm done. We need to move on. My <laughs> God. 
Anyway, I'm, sorry. I'm just teasing. No, that was actually very transparent, and I appreciate your I appreciate your honesty and everything that you did. I mean, you you make a lot of valid points that you really can't deny, and um, that's one thing I love about Pop X. And I was telling Team Pop X before we did this show. <gasps> I feel better. You should feel better, <laughs> daggone it. But you know, if we did, if Pop X did a show every two weeks and where we all agreed on the same thing, how entertaining of a show would that be to you? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It really wouldn't be entertaining at all if we all, yes, it was great, 80%, good. Yeah, we'll see you in two time. weeks. Yeah. It doesn't really, that doesn't really make Pop X, um, you know, overall in the grand scale of themes, aesthetic or relevant. Because if we all are just bobbleheads agreeing on the same thing, what are we really getting done to the community and pop culture as a whole? That's a big fat zero, honestly. Uh, so I want to go to Mike Ippolito next. Mike, did you get to see Masters of the Universe Revelation? And if you did, what was your thoughts on it? Yes, I did see it. And now I can un cannot unsee it. Oh, boy. Yes. Oh, boy. Well, be nice in the comment sections, Mike. I will be. Oh, God enough. bless you. I was kind of looking forward to this. Okay, here comes Kevin Smith. He's, uh, you know, Mr. You know, pop culture. He was going to save us. You know, and, he, and then he comes in, I started watching and it, you know, it was, you know, started out as your typical, you know, He-Man modernized, you know, and he went through his whole big thing from changing from Adam to He-Man. And that's where it went downhill from there. And just to come out and see, you know, they said, well, you'll absorb the magic and you may die. Well, apparently he turned into a pile of dust. <laughs> You know, so and then he took he took Skeletor with him. So that was I'm going, okay, this is ten minutes into the show and now they're gone. And then to transition to where, you know, the king finds out that Adam is He Man and starts just tearing into man at arms. I'm going, What am I watching here? Yeah. And then on top of it, to Tila to throw her sword and I'm taking my ball and I'm going home attitude. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, no, I, I, what I'm, and then, then once it ended, I'm looking, I'm sitting in this place by myself. I'm saying, what have I just watched? <laughs> and I'm going, no, this, this is not right. This has nothing to do with Rotten Tomatoes. This has nothing to do with any other reviews. This is, I'm looking at this and I said, I was just, Kevin Smith just took his shoe and threw it at me. That's the feeling I got. And I, it was just, I, I just felt like it was, everything was that I remember about He-Man was just ran over by a truck. Oh, man. So, and, um, and then I, I said, for the sake of we're doing this on the show, I will watch it. And the deeper I got into it, the worse I felt about it. I'm going, no, no, no. We're into episode five. And he comes back. Okay, well, let's see where it goes from here. And then to get it again. He mm -hmm. dies Halfway through his speech with the sword, you get the lights, the pageantry, and through the through the back, he got it. And then here comes Skeletor. He's the master of the universe. And I'm going. I'm, done with this. I'm finished. That's that's it. And I'm I'm done. And then as that after I was done with this, then I saw the Rotten Tomatoes business and all of the reviews, and it's just. I was just 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 done with it. Whatever Teela did to herself going into the second episode, the thing with the shaved head, and I'm going with her supposedly friend, which is according to the Google, pretty obvious. Seemed seemed a little bit more than a friend, and I'm going, okay, now here we go again, and I'm going. This is 
I just it it was just completely ruined for me. And I remember He Man from the '80s, and supposedly this is the He Man everybody wanted. It wasn't what I wanted, mm-hmm. and it was just it was completely destroyed. I have to say, on the animation side of it. It was just amazing. I think this is some of the best animation I've seen. Whoever this animation house is, yeah, they've really done an amazing good. job. Apparently, when you end up with some kind of large chest plate, you now have armpit nipples. I don't know how that happened, but you know, I won't take that away from anything. But you know, it just <laughs> it was a little it was a little weird some of the design, but you know, yeah, no, my, my He Man over here doesn't have armpit nipples. <laughs> so I'm like watching the show and I'm going, okay, they're now over here. I'm going, yeah, they okay. were way off. Yeah, they were off. They were the like center, very yeah. accentuated. Yeah, they but, were. Uh, I won't take that. You have lops, lopsided areolas there. But, uh, but uh, I am not I am not interested in the second part of this. Okay. Once it airs, it's over with. I I don't know. I'm just, I've just, I've given up on this. I've, I to me, I feel it's, I've been ruined. This ruined the. He-Man experience for me, and unfortunately, it seems to be a lot of that. If it ain't Transformers, Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, it seems like everything just seems to be going downhill. So that's why I have, I have no expect, no high expectations. I'm not in a rush to see any of this. I'm just kind of done with a lot of things. All right. So wow. With that said, we're going to Austin Burke next. So (laughs) I have this this pain in my chest this aching pain. And a lot of it started when I posted my review when the embargo <laughs> lifted on Master of the Universe. I've never been so beaten, berated, cursed at, disgusting, nasty language of people who were so offended. And I, understandably so, I thought Mike brought up some really great points, great negatives about the show. So I understand. Here's what I'll say. I don't have that connection. I don't I, I watched a little bit of He-Man growing up, a little bit here, a little bit there. I had I had the action figures. I I didn't really have a lot going in. So I went into it hoping the show would take risks, and it did take risks, <laughs> big risks. And I'm of the camp. I think He-Man's going to be back in, in part two, and I think he is going to be the main character because I think the show is really building up to the fact that, well, what we thought was happening at the end of the fifth, fifth episode and, you know, the tides turn once again, and it's this huge cliffhanger. I think a lot of that is done for show because I think things are going to be solved. If you look at where he was stabbed at the end of that episode, a similar place to where uh, Skeletor was stabbed. And, of course, he survived. So I think Adam will survive this and that. And I'm excited to see what part two brings us because I thought the story was interesting. I do agree with Lindsay on some points with Tila. I think there are some things about her character that um, I struggled to get behind. My thing that I loved about the show was the camaraderie. And the love that this team had. And and really, you look at some of these characters and the decisions that were made. I'm also of the camp that I think Orko could come back to life. Well, come back to life. I don't know if Orca um, or Orko is actually Orca. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Orko well. is actually dead. Shannon? I mean, I think there are, are a lot of different things that could happen in part two. And I know He-Man's a very popular par- character. And clearly now, is he beloved enough to try to destroy people's reputations online. And I understand the anger at Kevin Smith. I, I get it, right? There are some things that he said. But for everyone to just go out, and I'm not even talking about it, Who cares about me? I mean, who cares? I mean, you know, all the dislikes, all the just horrible, the, the comments that I had to delete that said F, 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 C word, A word, D word, it does, everything. If you're that angry and you are going to try to attack 
someone for having an opinion on a show and don't use the crap excuse of, oh, they were paid for the review. Who, who paid for the review? Do I look, I'm wearing a Dr. Pepper shirt in my basement in a corner. Do I look like I get paid that much money for review? It's so stupid. It's so freaking stupid. But, but. I like Dr. Pepper. I understand. I love Dr. Pepper. I understand the anger from the fans, right? Just don't take it out and don't be hypocritical and say, oh, well, man, I was so beaten and broken by Kevin Smith. Hey, critic who really enjoyed the show. Go F yourself, you stupid idiot. So you're just doing exactly what you said Kevin Smith did to you. That's what you're doing. I know this is not a review. This is no, just a no, review. This is man, no, this is good. No, this is good. I have been completely tormented okay. over the last five days from people who want to take their anger out on some guy who doesn't have a ton of knowledge of He-Man, who just enjoyed what he watched, who liked the animation style, who really liked the visuals of the show. And there are so many things that I think part two could maybe solve. And the majority of these comments and of this hate and of that Rotten Tomato score and of that IMDb score came before the show even came out. Yeah. Before yeah. the show even came out, before anyone had the opportunity to watch it. And again, I get some of the frustration, absolutely, but I can't necessarily comment on it or say anything or do because I've already put my opinion out there that I like the show. And if I like the show, then I'm paid off. And who, who is paying? Who, who is paying me? That being said, I think part two has the possibility and the potential to maybe, maybe just justify some of the decisions that were made in part one and hopefully get you more on board with the fact that this is a show that I still think could inevitably be about He-Man. Yeah. I think it could be because I don't think it's over for He-Man. I don't think it's over for Orgo. And I even said in my review, I'm going to reserve full judgment until part two comes out and kind yes. of confirms some of these things because it could really, like Mike said, it could really slap us in the face then. But as of right now, I like the daring nature of it. I like the decision-making. I do not like some of the character traits about some of the main characters. Um, and and I, I won't go into any more detail. I just, I really, really hope part two does something for even those who hated it. And even those yeah. who, Attack someone like me on YouTube. Again, it's fine. You can take your anger out on me all you want. But I really hope part two can kind of, instead of tear people apart, kind of bring people together just a bit more. And if it doesn't, then I will move on. I don't know if I'm going to review part two on YouTube. I probably won't. I really don't want to deal with that again, to be honest with you. But maybe on Pop X Cast, we can go through it and then really hold judgment. Well, that depends on how good part two is. <laughs> exactly exactly and if it's bad and if it and if it does confirm like if he-man is in fact dead yeah I'm, I'm i'm gonna be upset right yeah i'm gonna be upset yeah so we'll just i already i can already kind of see where the future possibly could go and i'm not really i don't know but anyway i'm not going to get down that route um austin is there anything else before i go or no i i, I that's why, you know, Eve, I mean, I gave it a score in my review, but I really do want to reserve. I want to reserve since this is a part one of a season one and we don't even have the last five episodes. I want to fully reserve until we get part two, because as of now, if it's the fan theory thing, right? If we get He-Man coming back, coming in, saving the day, somehow Orko made it, all these things happen, then I'm going to be I'm going to be thrilled. Yeah. I'm going to be really thrilled. But you also have to look at the fact that I don't have that that heavy attachment that I have and if it goes the opposite direction, then yeah, I'll probably say, you know, for those who were nice and gave really good points like Lindsay and Mike, I'm going to say you guys were right. And I hope that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, for my part of it, uh, I, I'm definitely 
on the fence about it as well. And uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, now, Team PopX won't be able to see this, but uh, there is a couple of images I'm going to share with you guys from my past. I was a kid in the 80s. All right. I was born in 79 mm -hmm. and I lived right through the heart of the Masters of the Universe craze, right when it was at the peak. And so I'm going to share a couple of things. I'm just I'm only sharing this to show you a little bit of foundation of where I'm coming from based on my review of this series so far. So here is uh, picture one. This is a very young dapper me sporting the He-Man uh, shield and the Castle Grayskull power sword. As you can see, I'm in truly adorable uh, and uh, just really ready to tackle uh, Skeletor and his minions in that picture. Uh, <laughs> next up, I do have another one. Uh, this is me and all of my action figures from Masters of the Universe. This is Season 1 and Season 2. And I see a little Roboto in there. I see Stinkor. Have no idea why I have their arms up. Uh, oh, yeah, they're in the uh, the Bone Claw um, uh, moving utility vehicle. But uh, I had them all, guys. I, I, I lived through the 80s. And I'm only sharing these because I want you guys to see a little bit of my upbringing and uh, just how emotionally connected I am to Masters of the Universe. As you can see behind me, these are the original Castle Grayskull and Snake Mountains and oh. the original Season 1 these are the original Series 1 releases of He-Man and Skeletor. Uh, so this, when it goes back, I would consider myself an OG in that term. Um, but having said that, I, I, I purposely didn't read any reviews going into this, and I wanted to soak this in based on the knowledge that I've already obtained from the show. Let me lay some foundation work for you. If we were to create a Masters of the Universe show using 1983 graphic animation technology, how truly entertaining would it be? Let's be honest. 1982, 1983, the animation back then was basically just looping categories. They would actually film, they would only have like several scenarios like He-Man running, and they would use that same thing over and over in various backgrounds and various scenes, or they would have, you know, he would do a stance. He would do a stance. You know, the, 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 they were only drawn in about maybe maybe 80 different poses in an animation styles, and those poses were looped over, and just basically they chose which little motion that they wanted to use over the voiceover acting, and that's all they did. It was the cheapest, the most cheapest animation you could get through with uh, but I, I have to say that the voice acting is really what brought it together. Alan Oppenheimer voicing Skeletor back in the day. Now, having said that, and having an already pretty decent knowledge of who the characters and the villains and the enemies and, and all of this and the heroes, having known that, for me, I, I got a lot of fan service. When I was seeing Stinkor, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool, which is voiced by Jason Mewes, by the way. Yes. But then, you know, you see Roboto and you see Webstore. Spike or and then you you see um oh my gosh it's just so many you got Whiplash and Merman it was just awesome and for me just seeing those true tried and true characters in this kind of modern day fashion um was really awesome and enjoyed it um I, this is kind of where I want to separate myself from Lindsay and Mike having seen this and having been raised in this kind of environment. You know, if I was to ask Austin, Austin, what was your eighty? What was your cartoon when you grew up? You would probably say Batman, right? The animated yeah, series uh, yeah. or something. Absolutely, yeah, that'd be one. All right. So if I was to ask Lindsay, Lindsay, what was your favorite cartoon growing up as a kid? 
Oh, um, just one, really quick. Muppet babies. Muppet babies. All right. So, and we would just go on and on, right? We all would yeah. have that one. Well, this will be it for me. Masters of the Universe will be yeah. that one for me. Yeah. Uh, it, this is pretty much, you know, I, I, I loved everything about it. The action figures were awesome. Um, I mean, for the first time ever, you got a four-inch figure. And, and, and Kenner at the time was only producing figures. If you remember the Star Wars ones that came out, the little three-inch figures, they were just paled in comparison to what Mattel was releasing on these guys. And this is the original Skeletor from Series 1. And uh, as you can tell, my mom would put nail polish on the back of it to let every, <laughs> all the kids in the neighborhood know that this is yep. little Joey's Skeletor. Joey's toy. So my mom, my mom marked every one of my action figures for me, and I left the marks on there just because. But long story short, getting back to Revelation, I truly feel that uh, for me, I enjoyed the story. I didn't really – I saw what a lot of the problems are people are having with it. For sure. Particularly with like Tila and maybe King Randor kind of being a douchebag. Uh, you know, I, I understand that. I get that. And I was kind of like questionable. I was like, why is he acting so much like a, a poo-poo head right now? What's what, what, you know, what crapped in his cornflakes this morning? And, um, you know, and I, I didn't understand that whole logical rationale. Um, but I do have hope in this series, and if you watch this snippet after Netflix, the after show of Masters in the Universe Revelation, Kevin Smith, towards the end of that, gave us a teaser. And if you would listen, he said, oh, and by the way, Adam, Adam, we, we, we think is still alive. We never did see him die, so he could be coming back, and he could be the protagonist for season two. Better. And he was letting us know already, like, guys, you know, and this was long before the backlash happened. This was filmed, you know, months and months ago. But I think the, the, the cool thing about it is I think part two is definitely going to focus on the story of He-Man. And I understand Kevin Smith's approach to this. What if we took the most mightiest man in the universe and stripped down all the things that he took for granted? How would he be as an individual and how would he cope with it as a man himself? And it's an interesting take on a, on a character if you've never thought about it. What if you take away his power sword? Would, would he still be He-Man? Would he still be Prince Adam? And what would that journey look like getting back to the sort of power? Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting. I mean, you've never, I've never seen an approach like that. So that's kind of like what is keeping me uh, like a little bit, I don't want to say on the fence, but keeping me hopeful for what season part two could deliver in the second part of the season. It's, it's almost like what Iron Man 3 and Thor did to those two characters is they take away what makes them, what makes Iron Man Iron Man. And it was a Robert Downey Jr., which really made for a good character journey and joe it, i think that's kind of a good well here you're actually you said that and you have no idea what was in my brain i was getting ready to bring point what well, wait just a second i want to share something with you i recall a very young john favreau in 2006 being cast as a lead director for a movie mm. that was getting ready to come out and the backlash are you serious the director of elf is going to come and put on iron man what? Dude, let me tell you, the backlash at the cons, at the Comic-Cons, everybody was bashing it. Twelve years later, it is the pinnacle of the Marvel Universe. Okay, I'm not comparing Kevin Smith to John Favreau, but I'm just saying, when we tell a story, we can't tell a story in a familiar sense. There's, you've already got to predict the outcome. 
And none of us predicted the outcome of Revelation, did we? None of us saw that Prince Adam would die twice, that he would give up his heavenly realm to come down and be with his friends, but ultimately be sacrificed again. None of us saw that coming. That is the essence of a good story. Because when you have a story that is predictable, you've already, (laughs) what are you catering to? Are you going back to 1983 or are you just living with with the modern day? So having said that, um, I think for me, uh, I I do hear the plea uh, uh, and the concerns of some characters and some of the language and some of the dialogue. Honestly, I'm overlooking all of that. I'm overlooking all of that narrative because I see the heart of what's trying to be done, and I'm reminded of the young John Favreau who assumed the role of creating one of the largest movie franchises of all time single-handedly, and he did it with grace and style. And what happens well when you do strip back a character and you look at his core and you deep dive into that story, you take away his power, you take away his money, you take away his fame, you take away his sword— what kind of man does he become when all that's scaled back? And what does that journey look like getting back into the graces of the power sword itself? So I think there's a great story there, and I'm just very hopeful that part two is going to be able to deliver on that. But that's pretty much what I wanted to say about Masters of the Universe Revelation. And, uh, you know, I understand, Austin, I'm so sorry all that happened to you on your YouTube channel. Oh, no, it's, it's, and that wasn't a sympathy cry. I, I hope you guys don't feel that way. I just, I want fans to know that they don't have to be as hostile. And I know nobody watching is. I mean, you guys have been phenomenal in, in the in the chat tonight. It's just hopefully the hostility comes down and we give part two a chance. And then if part two fails us, then I'll be right in your camp. I just I, I hope we can sit and talk about it as opposed to trying to be as yeah. abusive. And I uh, hope online. I, I hope yeah. we have that opportunity as Pop X to sit down and talk about part two when it's released in September, I believe I is when the trajected time of release is going to be coming for part two. Okay. But, um, you know, and, and, and I want to do say this before we give our official score, hats off to, to the chat room right now. You guys are being so Lord, respectful. Yes. I haven't seen any backlash or any kind of vulgarity or any kind of vulgar comments. So I thank you guys so much for just being real, being genuine and being transparent because yeah. this, you know, there's things like this that do divide um, you know, the fan bases on a lot of things. And I can understand why. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we have to approach these IPs with an open mind. And if we if we get, if you always get the same thing, then you're always going to get the same thing. And why would you want to create a show that's basically a mirror carbon copy of the 1983 series? It just wouldn't make sense, especially in today's, nobody talks like that, first and foremost, today. But, mm-hmm. um, Having said that, you guys ready to give uh, your official score of yep. of it? All right, so uh, let's go with Lindsay, Mike, okay. Austin, then myself. Um, I actually asked my kids to score this as well, so I'll give you their scores. Um, okay. My daughter, Abby, she's 10. She gave a 5 out of 10. Okay, cool. And Ethan, who is 7, gave a 6 out of 10. Nice. So those are so decent scores. And then uh, mine, is I'm going with a 2.7. Out of 10. 2.7 out of 10. Nice. Those are our scores. All right. Mike. Um, basically, just quickly, I want to say, you know, as, uh, in regards to Austin, you know, uh, you know, somebody just goes and, you know, shares your opinion about something should not be attacked 
by these keyboard cowards. Um, that's just what's aggravating my frustration. I mean, I'm not going to go on your channel and say, oh, well, you liked it, you're garbage. And that's, that's you know, as a human being, that's, you know, no human being deserves to be treated like that. And that's just, that's just one thing that just really pisses me off and, you know, in plain and simple. It's not productive. No. But, you know, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go with things that I've said before where usually I give something a second chance. You know what I'll do? I, from, I'm My frustration is from what I've seen now. So there, and Austin, like you said, we could be completely turned around in the second part. So mm-hmm. we're going to review it. I'll be willing to watch a second part. And if I'm wrong on my thoughts on it, then I'm wrong. If it turns out to be better, I'll come on the show and say I was wrong. Then, you know, my frustration was from what I've seen and the way it was initially handled. So, but on that point, um, I'm just going to have to go with, um, you know, a five out of 10 because I give the animation was amazing on the other side of it. You know, the rest to me just didn't work. So. Yep. Got it. Mr. Burke. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, exactly with i'm I'm with mike if you know if part two does fail then i think it's going to drastically obviously hurt part one you know and we're just going to have to kind of come back around when that happens uh part one i'm, I'm actually going to go a little i've scaled back just a little bit on my thoughts just some of the character decisions of tila and whatnot so but i am going to go 75 i i do believe this is a show that um set up some things that hopefully they deliver on in part two but let me tell you if he man is dead you, you're going to see me being really frustrated. Yeah, that's not going to be good, even on my it's end. I, I probably will. Uh, yeah, that's not going to be good. You can't take I away. Agree. You can't take away the the champion. I mean, that'd be like killing off Superman. Yeah. That day. You just can't yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm going to go a 7.8. Um, you know, there was definitely some discrepancy that I saw. I'm probably the highest scorer on the show tonight. But um, I, I am looking at the heart of it and the nods to my past and seeing the characters and when I saw the characters on screen and their voices, it really made me smile. And when I heard Alan Oppenheimer voice Moss Man, uh, who is the voice of Falcor and the voice of Skeletor, if you didn't yes. know that. Yes. Um, so when I heard Alan Oppenheimer doing Moss Man, it was just that gave me all this like goosebumps because he's in well in his upper 80s now. And he is still doing voice acting and he's still very much a part of the Masters of the Universe franchise, although he's doing a different voice. Uh, but... 7.8 for me, so um, we're hopeful that part two is going to be great, and we're hopefully going to be able to come back and do a part two, uh, depending. I mean, uh, the, the, the the verdict is still out on this one, but uh, I think that's going to wrap it up. We did go over again. Good gracious, have mercy. But uh, it is what it is. But uh, we're going to get that ready and wrap things up here on PopX. This has been another jam-packed episode. I don't know how we do this in an hour and a half, but we do. Austin, uh, go ahead and uh, begin the wrap up, my friend. I'll tell you what, it was. Uh, I was worried about this episode in terms of just the stress that comes from talking about this show. This may be one of my favorite ones we've done this year. What a what a great discussion by the team. So I just want to give some kudos. But uh, thank you. Uh, I'm Austin Burke at the Birkenair. You guys can search and find me. And we're part of the newly formed creative group known as the Creative Multiverse. Uh, for more great media content, artwork, and more, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Creative Multiverse. If you are a creative produce content or have a talent we want to see it and would like for you guys to share it with us in the multiverse all right all right and pop x cast is on social media you can find us everywhere facebook instagram tumblr twitter all at 
popxcast. You can send comments and suggestions to us via email at popxcast at gmail.com. And for those future and past shows that you know and love, you can visit us on our official website, www.popxcast.com. And I am Joseph Burks, and uh, at Joseph Burke Arts, all over social media, you can find me. If there's an account and if there's a platform, I'm probably at Joseph Burke Arts on that platform. And, of course, hats off always to this amazing, specifically tonight in general, amazing Team Pop X. You guys are freaking killing it. And I just love, let me just say the word, the diversity. I love the diversity in your all's uh, reactions and your reviews it's it's real it's relevant it's from the heart and it may not be positive towards the series but at the end of the day you are true to yourself and that's what matters so i love you guys so much thank you guys for being who you are and making pop x what it is and i want to say we'll be see you next time in two weeks as we're going to be back on episode 128 where we will be reviewing james gunn's the suicide squad and get this on the Retro Rewind, we will be doing, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this, oh, Legend with oh, Tim Curry and Tom Cruise. Oh my gosh, Ridley Scott's oh, yeah. Legend. And uh, there's there's definitely actually, a, a, there's two versions of this film. Actually, there's three. But we're going to be watching the U.S. cinematic release, not specifically the European release, which has a total different soundtrack and a total different color palette. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew that, but there is two oh. versions of Legend out there. We're going to be watching the U.S. release of that. So, so you mark that on your calendars. With all that said, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for watching, and we will see you next time. Austin, you get a break this week. Thank we're not going to we're not going to let you uh, dance off this week. So sleepy. Because I'll stretch for next time. You stretch for next time. All right. Take care, guys. We'll see you next time right here on Pop X Cat. From everyone at PopXCast. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and click that notification bell so you know when we go live next. Drop us an email, popxcast at gmail.com. Throw us up a like on Instagram and all those other social media outlets. At PopXCast. Until next time.